<laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Jump a lot. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Nebraska issues. I'm April and I'm here with Melody and Stephanie with our special guest, Precious McKesson, community activist. Let's get started. How are you, ladies? Hey. Hello, hello. Hi, Melody. Um, I'm just soaking up all this warm weather. Ugh, too hot. It's fantastic. Oh my God. No. Soaking up. I'm baking alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sweating through all my clothes. It's not even July yet. I know, I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. There's no pools. The time. No pools I feel safe at. Mm, that is oh. a problem. We put up the baby pool. No, it's not a, it's a little bit bigger than a baby pool. And the kids have just been um swimming in it and drinking it. And it's a couple days old. I don't know. It's gross. It's terrible. It's super gross. Kids are so gross. <laughs> have you had any new birds at your bird feeder, April? No, I'm going to add the suet was attracting too many grackles. Those are uh. So I'm going to try a finch feeder next, like a sock of, it's called a sock, but a sock of like, I think it's called Niger seed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always say everything wrong. Who knows? So I'm going to try that. But um, the actual thing I started doing, well, I'm finally talking about it. I started doing watercolor painting. Which is beautiful. It's really fun. You're so good at it. No, I'm not that good, but I'm I'm impressed with what I have made and I'm like astounded. So it's fun, fun, fun. Well, I have to give a puppy update. So it turns out the dog is a kangaroo. (laughs) And we (laughs) jump a lot on people. So this is a problem. So this kangaroo dog. We have on one side of the yard, it has a very low fence. And then on the other side of the yard is like a standard metal fence. And the gate on the metal side of the fence is not the right size. So I put up like this canvas and I'm trying, I tried this creative way of <laughs> closing these gaps so the dog can't get through until the new door is on there. And then I wanted to test to see what would happen. I walked away from the dog because she has very strong attachment to me. That dog just jumped a four foot fence Holy and ran over to me. Crap. Dang. <sighs> what kind of dog is she? A kangaroo dog. Kangaroo <laughs> dog. Well, <laughs> some kind of kangaroo I dog. I bet she's part Australian Kelpie. Oh, she's My so naughty. My neighbor has some dog that is, I can't remember the breed, but it's a tree climber for real. No. It, he's like, it might go over the fence. I'm a little worried because <laughs> it's, I see it in the tree. It's weird. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. So weird. That is so super weird. crazy. What I just, oh my gosh. So yeah, she's some kind of beagle mix, but actually she's just like a kangaroo. <laughs> a little cute brown. marigold kangaroo. Yeah. She's really sweet. 
you guys want to uh, hear what's going on in my backyard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have little pea pods and I have little cucumbers and they're so cute. <gasps> and I'm very excited. And today I found, it's probably a little late to start them, but I found black diamond watermelon starts mm-hmm. that I'm going to plant in my backyard. And those are my favorite watermelons. So I'm so thrilled about it. And you have a pool. I do. <laughs> Shelby's like, it's my jelly bean pond. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but great. So, my gosh, it's water for the child. Mm -hmm. So, do you guys know what happened on Seeing Red on social media this week? What happened on our Facebook? We had our first Fuck You Friday from a patron. Oh. I know. And for everyone else, all the patrons who qualify for a Fuck You Friday, I'm going to be reaching out to you. So think about which person that you want to, you know, which person in power who is not using their power in ways that you like. Think about who that's going to be. And we have a new patron, Jason Hagland. Oh, Jason. He qualifies for one of those Fuck You Fridays. Jason. So yeah. I'll be talking to him. And I'll be talking to everybody else who qualifies for one. So who got the fuck you Friday this week? Please tell us. Is it Um, anonymous? I thought. No, no, no. Not who sent it. Who received it. who received it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was Senator Hilkeman. Oh. And, you know, he kind of flies under the radar. He's, you know, all of his press releases are around things we kind of all agree about. But... The fuck you was really because he is silent on really important issues of the day, like Mm -hmm. the ineffectiveness and colossal waste of money of Test Nebraska. He's been silent on the Black Lives Matter rallies happening around the state. Mm -hmm. He's not speaking on issues of the day and he's an elected official and he's not showing leadership on these things. Mm -hmm. And that was what the fuck you is for. Sounds like a fantastic fuck you. It was. I thought it was really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone can go and find it on Facebook. Give it a like. And then you know what else I did today? I have the stickers with three stickers. stickers? So patrons at at least $10 pledging a month get a seeing red sticker is what we promise you. But I actually have Mm -hmm. three stickers. Three? So I... Yeah, I packaged them all up, and they are going to be going out um, in the mail tomorrow. So Ooh. people should start receiving them Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So maybe by the time you actually listen to this podcast, you'll go out to your mailbox and go, "Whoa, hey, thanks, USPS. I love <laughs> and that." And if sticker. somebody really wants those three stickers, what can they do, Melody? They can go to seeingred.com and the click on Fight Back. And you can become a patron of Seeing Red. Sounds pretty easy. It's pretty easy. For our um, lowest level of patronage is $5 a month. And you get a shout out on the pod. And you get the satisfaction of knowing you're pissing off the governor. So I feel like it's a really good value. Yeah. pretty much the only reason I do this pod. Right. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd like to give a big fuck you to Pete Ricketts. Yeah, he's okay, kind of like the allowed. standing. Yeah. Well, that's what you get when you're a fucker. <laughs> Woo, Stephanie's hot tonight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Should put like a disclaimer, not for children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my children used to say, can we listen to that again? Yeah. But now I'm like, now we swear, which we didn't last year, but 
damn last year is well different. we only started swearing because you called us out for saying crap you said melody i thought we weren't doing that and sh- all she said was crap and so you asked <laughs> the swearing it's by fine. saying we were swearing this is the thing is i have a problem with authority anyway. and so if you tell me i can't <laughs> i have to do it times two <laughs> when I was in high school I told my dad I was thinking about I was going to just look into what it would like what about being in the air force and I just thought I would look into it you know check out all my options and my dad who is you know retired air force um which I'm very proud of him for he said you know I just don't know that that's a good path for you because you have a problem with authority and being in the military you have to be able to take orders well. And I was like, mm, okay, maybe a different path then. That's good not point, my good path. Point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Uh, it's not great. It's not great. Oh, dad's got to love him. Mm-hmm. Oh um, anything else well, going on this week? Any big news in anybody's life? I just have to say, generally, the young people of our state are kicking some ass. Amazing. Yes. Like Omaha. I'm, I'm excited for our future because yeah. of. Omaha's bringing it. Yep. Omaha's bringing it. I would Link tell everybody too. to give noise, like loudness, noise, uh, uh-huh. a like on Facebook. They're, they're doing some amazing journalism in Omaha. I would, I just can't even, everywhere in the state, I mean, like Hastings, Grand Island, rural places that are having protests there are two or tons there yeah. are black lives matter protests all over the state including in places that are 100 percent white mm-hmm. like the state is really coming together and i i'm here for that i'm looking forward to what uh what precious is going to chat with us tonight about with the things oh. that she experienced in omaha what do yes. you okay so you know her Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you know her? What's your, what's your connection there, Stephanie? So I'm the, I serve as an appointed position for the Nebraska Democratic Party. And she, um, up until recently was the NDP constituency director. Um, she also did a lot of the event planning. And then, um, now she is the finance director of the NDP. And so that's how I've got to know her. Um, now she's a friend and not just a somebody that I collaborate with on those projects. So my kid thinks Precious is like the best thing ever. Like, she's like, I want to go to Precious's house. (laughs) And then- Yeah, wait to meet her. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, she's one of my favorites and she does fantastic work and she really cares about her community and um, the young people in her community and really investing in them. And I think it's really admirable. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's bring her on then because I kind of can't wait. Sounds good. Today, we're very excited to have Precious McKesson with us. She's a community activist from Omaha and a friend, and we're so excited to have you here tonight. How is it going, Precious? Going good. It's going good. First, I was going to say thank you for having me. Um, it's been a long day, so to know that, and I knew that I was going to miss at least one meeting, and I did, but it wasn't you guys. Good, good. <laughs> what, have you, what have you been up to today? Man, so today we had the um, the community, the Greater Omaha Community Rally, which we marched um, in honor of James Scurlock. So we marched from um, 72nd and Dodge to Memorial Park, and then we had a rally, had some guest speakers, um, had over a thousand or more people 
it was awesome. It was peaceful. Wow. And in the history, we shut down all of set. We we actually shut down Dodge um, for the whole, for those two hours, and that was historic to be able to do that. And it was peaceful. It was really nice. And okay. for anyone, I want to add a little bit of context for anyone that doesn't live in Omaha. Dodge Street is the main street mm -hmm. in Omaha. And 72nd Street to Memorial Park, that's about 52nd Street. So that is 20 blocks in 90 plus degree weather today. Up a hill. Up a hill. That's right. Up a hill. That's right. Up a hill. Yeah. So it was really. Why awesome. was that area chosen? Do you know? Well, it had been so much unrest in that area um, last week with the um, right with the protesters. Mm -hmm. and so we to bring something back positive and show that this could be a positive, peaceful um, rally. And it wasn't a protest; it was a rally just coming together. So um, we chose that area, and plus we wanted it at Memorial Park because we knew that even though it does, it wasn't look like we were doing social distancing, but we wanted to make sure it was big enough so that if we did really try to press the issue with social distancing that it will work and so everybody we provided masks for everyone who didn't have one um water was lined up we had uh, malcolm the malcolm x foundation we had people donate water and we lined the water up the street so we had different water spots so as we're walking you would see like in front of the church uh, cases of water where you could just run over and grab water you know um, it was real cool. It was real cool. So it was real um, historic and monumental. And the police department and the city of Omaha really stepped up to help us to make it successful. Um, but the fact that we closed down all lanes of um, Dodge Street was just like, it was, it was the bomb. <laughs> well, and that's a big deal because a week ago, today's Sunday, June 7th, and a week ago uh, on a Friday night was the first Black Lives Matter protest mm -hmm. after George Floyd was murdered. Mm -hmm. That also happened at 72nd and Dodge. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about like how it was different? Well, number one, it was very different because you could not be in the street during that protest. They said they didn't want you in the street. You had to be on the sidewalks. So the fact that we were able to close down the street and walk in the street in protest in a peaceful manner in a rally very symbolic because mm -hmm. just that last week, I mean, they still have barricades, they still have barricades down on 72nd. And so you can't cross the median on, on certain areas. You have to actually cross at the crosswalk. So um, it was just very symbolic. It, and then it just, a lot happened down there. A lot happened on 72nd Street the week before. You mm -hmm. had balls, you had just a lot of just, it was just so, it was there, there were. There were snipers on top of the do space. Yes. When I drove by there today, I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever look at the do space again after. And, you know. and the do space even let us, they they even allowed us to let, let our people park in their parking lot. Like do space, Petco, Target. Like they were like, no, y'all can park here. Crossroads Mall, y'all can park here. Um, so I think normally it, it really goes to the people who they look and see who's organizing this and what are, why are you organizing this? On top of that, Matt Bus. Matt Bus organized with us to have buses run every 15 minutes coming back from Memorial Park to Crossroads to make sure that people can um, get back to their vehicles. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it just shows that, you know, they know we saw the un unrest, but we had to bring something peaceful to end it off. We had to do it. Do you, Precious, are you from Omaha? I have been in Omaha. I've been in Omaha since I was two years old. So I've been here 38 years. Okay. Okay. Did you, um, do you, I'm from Papillion. So I grew up in the area, uh, class of 98 Papillion and 
Oh, in when? I graduated in 97 from Northwest. Oh, from Northwest. Think- okay. Oh, you know what? I had a friend, uh, Matt Bross, who okay. went to Northwest. He graduated in 98. He was big in the theater department. Okay. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he's still big in the theater community in Ohio. But uh, so do you remember in 1992 in Omaha when the Nebraska Cornhuskers won the national championship? Yes, I do. And they took over all of Dodge. Yeah. A friend of mine, my not my friends, friends of my parents called and asked if I could come over and babysit because I was 12 years old and I had to go and babysit so that they could go and have a big, they shut down 72nd and Dodge. And everybody in Omaha either was part of it or clearly remembers it. Yeah, they had a big, I mean, I think, I mean, that might be articles on that because it was, I just remember seeing the Cornhusker flag and all that stuff, the big N. I mean, it was, and then, I mean, it was huge. I, I think that yeah. was the last time they had something that were, were really shut down um, for a, for a Cornhusker game. <laughs> <laughs> So I just, when I was watching all that stuff happen on Friday night, when Ooh. you saw police in riot gear intentionally knocking people over that were just sitting in the street holding poster boards in front of their faces, I just kept remembering when I was 12 and everybody was so proud of the fact that they were able to shut down the city and and it was fine. And the police were like part of it. Yeah, I mean, and, and then <laughs> that's the sad part because we know that there was... It was like it was a mixture of people, police, you know, police were being friendly policing, doing community policing. Then you have police officers who had to come in their riot gear. Um, that's the part that hurt the most that that was ha- that, that was taking ca- taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, even when um, there was an incident on Sunday, last Sunday, actually. Last Sunday was my birthday. So I was like, you know what? I know that this tension is high. We really can't do much. I'm going to go to this um, this this rally at um, the Malcolm X Foundation. And so as I'm getting there, number one, this is the first protest that I took my daughter to. Cause I didn't, I was like, I felt safe taking her there. And mm-hmm. as we were leaving after having this peaceful protest and this peaceful rally, it was so beautiful. And we're walking and my daughter's like, mom, do you see that? And I'm like, do I see what? And all of a sudden we look and it's a bunch of, um, it's a, basically an area that's filled with trees. So basically it used to be old houses and now it's gone. Um, now the houses are gone, so it's just a bunch of brush. And as we look in there, there's police officers in riot gear with <gasps> rifles. Yes. In the bushes, like in these trees. So I literally walk up these stairs of an old house that's no longer there, but the stairs are still there. So it's covered in bird poo or whatever. Bat, I don't know, something. And I'm like, what are y'all doing in the bushes? And so I instantly called one of my friends who's a lieutenant. First, I called the captain. I was like, "This is BS," and I'm mad. And so then she called the, um, she called them, and the, and then all of a sudden the lieutenant, the captain called. You can hear the captain tell them that they are, so they need to get out of the bushes, and then they all exit the bushes. What? It was, I had, a, I had a picture of it. I took a picture. I couldn't believe it. That is like, where's the trust at? You know, the this this event is, and this was the first night of the curfew too. So number one. They had already said they're going to have this curfew and they knew they could not cancel this event because what it would look like, it would look, I mean, in their eyes, it would say, it would look like as if, oh, the black people want to have a, a protest, a peaceful protest and you cancel it, but you let them have this, this chaos in the old market in, in, uh-huh. in, in on 72nd. So they knew if they would have put that curfew in and canceled that event, it would have really been some problems. 
but it was peaceful. And it's the fact that they had them in the, it was crazy. It was so crazy. That is wild. Well, yeah. so, okay. So you are, you are in a, you know, relationship with various stakeholders in Omaha. So like you have a Lieutenant's number on your phone. I'm going to guess that you are probably part of the meeting with the governor and the mayor and everybody was there. Is that, were you there? Yep, I was there. Spill it. Tell us how everything. Many, how many, can you tell us how many people were there? So, okay. So, now this is a funny thing. So, it's like, I mean, it was like maybe, I'll say all together in this room was 30 people. That's including the, the pastors, the community leaders, the governor, the mayor, the chief, I mean, the police chief. And then they had their security in there or their staff. So I'd say about 30 people, maybe. Might be too many, but I'll say roughly about 30 people. And so um, earlier in the day, you know, we had um, gotten word that um, that that Don Klein was no longer was not gonna charge um, the gentleman with um, any charges. And so um, we got this call and it was like, you know, first Senator, uh, saw Senator Wayne. Senator Wayne he called me and said, hey, you need to get down to my office you know, get down here. So I rushed down there. Um, we watched the press conference and then after the press conference over, we go over to, um, the, the civic center. So where, where he's there with the family to get the response in regards to what Don Klein had just done. So during this time, I get this message saying, Hey, the mayor wants you guys to meet with her. Um, she's doing a press conference at three o'clock. And so we were like, no, we're not standing behind you. Like, you don't call us any other time. Now, all of a sudden, now you want us to come stand behind you because we know at this point there's about to be some unrest in the city. And just, oh, like, can you describe what what it is you're talking about? So, somebody was murdered okay, in so, Omaha. Can you yeah. just walk us through, for everybody listening, what okay. happened? Well, James Skirlock is a, was a 22-year-old young man who had been down in the old market protesting. And he had went in, went in front of a business that was owned by, um, well, uh, occupied a club by a, a gentleman by the name of Jake Gardner. Um, during this time, some words were exchanged. Jake's father had came out and was saying some different things. So what ended up happening, um, Jake Gardner got into a scuffle with another young man, had gotten the puddle. He fired off two warning shots. And then as he got up, to yes, it, the scuffle ends, he gets up and like he's gonna most likely attack, most likely shoot at the friend who's running away. James um, James Scurlock jumps on his back and puts him in a chokehold and knocks him down. But mm -hmm. at that point in time, as he's trying, as this, this tussle's going on, Jake Gardner turns the gun and shoots the young man in his neck and he ends up passing away. Now the crazy thing is, is that we watched this all on Omaha Scanner because we heard Omaha Scanner was live in that area when it happened. And so we're watching, we're seeing this going on and they're telling us and we're like, they're on live. And, and we see when the protesters are like, you know, um, trying to stop the medics from coming. I mean, you see all this stuff going on on this live. And so after that, so they did a, they did at that time take Jake Gardner down for questioning. He was in police custody, but he was never charged. And then that Monday, Don Klein decided to not charge him with the crime. So when he didn't charge him, we knew at that point there was going to be a lot of unrest because this is a black man that was shot in downtown. And we're like, wait a minute, this this can't happen. This, looking at this tape, because before the before they released the video out there, you had people who were already sharing this live, you know, sharing this because they were down there during this protest. So you got tons of protesters down there. 
So as we lead up to that Monday, we know that this is going to happen. People are, tension is high. Emotions are high. You know, people are just don't know what they, what's going to happen. What's going to happen to the city? Because you already see the protests happen over the weekend. At this point, the National Guard are already here. So we're like, what is going to happen? So the mayor had asked to meet with community leaders and we decided, we said, no, we weren't because we figured why, why are we meeting? We didn't want to do a press conference with her basically. Mm-hmm. So then we, then we got, we got some more calls said, Hey, the governor, the chief and the mayor wants to meet with you guys. And so I was invited by the police department to come by, um, by a member of the police department. So we get there and you walk in this room and it's, social distancing we're in us we're in our little friendly circle as i called it it made me remind it reminded me of the kindergarten when you walk in a room and it's a big circle and it's like i mean not or it could have been like i don't know sharing circle i don't know what you want to call it so we're in this <laughs> circle and so at this point before i went into this room i had took i had put aside all of my political feelings i had toward mayor stockard and governor ricketts because everyone knows that i ride them like no other. I went in there with an open heart and an open mind because I wanted, at this point, it was bigger than me and what I do. It was about my community. So while we're in this room, you know, we go, we introduce ourselves and we're talking. Um, We're talking about why we're here. Like, you know, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And the thing is, is that my take from what we was there for is to, to send back a message to our community on how do we bring calmness so that we don't riot our community because at this point they've blocked off downtown so they've left north omaha wide open so if you want to go protest oh you want to go break some stuff up north omaha's right there downtown we can't get into so that was my main concern so as we're in there talking you know emotions are high um you know the pastors kind of call the pastors call out rickets they said you know you've never called us any other time why now mm-hmm. um, you know, like, what's the point? Or, you know, you say you've met with with with, with um, leaders. Which leaders are you meeting with? Because when we call so-and-so, no, they didn't meet with me. And we're like, well, what would you meet with? And then one of the pastors, would, I think what, what triggered Ricketts was one of the pastors had told told Ricketts that he had a, his definition of safety was different than what his what his definition is. And basically he said, your definition of safety, Mr. Ricketts, with all due respect, is protecting your manicured lawns. His definition of safety is protecting his family and protecting mm-hmm. his and being on the same playing field, you know, being treated the same. And that's when the governor got mad and said what he said. What did he say, Precious? He said, now he claims he said, where the hell were you guys? And he that's not what he said. He said, where the hell were you people when? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I couldn't believe it. But I, it, my our jaws were all on the floor. I think everybody in Nebraska was like, what in the world? But even if he said, where the hell were you guys? It was still an intentional feeling that you was like, well, where the hell were you at when I was doing it? Like, you you basically trying to tell me that I wasn't there. So yeah. regardless of you guys, you people, he still should have said, where the hell were you? Because number one, I want to tell him so bad, we were there. We've been there. We've mm-hmm. been waiting to find Medicaid expansion into office. We've been yep. there when you, when you did not, when you vetoed felon voting rights. We've been there because we've been right. watching you, you know? But again, I tried to keep it real, um, I, I tried to keep it real cute. 
Everybody stronger woman than I. I. I like when you're cute, precious. <laughs> I mean, because number one, I'll be honest with you. If pastors were not in the room, it may have been a little bit different. Because we have <laughs> men of the men and the women who who preach and, and they they have this role. I had to remain um, Christian. <laughs> There's uh yeah, the, it's it's pretty common knowledge that uh you know when the ferguson protests were going on not all that long ago uh they the police would wait until all the clergy went to bed so that they could act out yep yep so that's and that's mm. too like for some reason like clergy the clergy has a a way of influencing it's like i don't know what it's like they that's why i've always wondered why they've always wanted to think clergy in the room and i know that they have a, a, a powerful word way of their sending their message but i think the governor just forgot you know and then i think and will really so over after this happens one of the pastors that leaves so these the pastors there's a lot of people that get up and leave out the room community leaders and pastors i stayed because I really wanted to know what this man was going to say. I just didn't have it. I just could not. How, how did he react to everyone leaving? Um, I mean, not, I, I mean, I, it, about half the people left, I think. Yeah, he was in shock. He was like, well, well, and he was trying to explain it something. You can hear me on the tape say, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've been real nice up in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> Governor, you know I can go left on you. You know, you hear, you hear me say this. And then it was like, he was then he didn't try to explain why he was saying it. And it still didn't matter because this is the way he said it, because he didn't say it just sitting there casually. He put emphasis in it. He leaned up in that chair like he was mad. To let us know, you, I'm, I don't appreciate what you just said. And so, um, yeah, he was not, he was not happy. He wasn't happy. And I wasn't happy either. You know, well, like, the way he spoke, it's pretty yeah. obvious. Like, and, my husband, if I spoke to him that way, he'd know I was mad. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. So I feel like, and then so you have a pastor that leaves out the room who left out, and he went viral. This pastor posts this message. It goes viral. I'm getting all these messages. I'm like, Precious, look at this. I'm like, I was in the room. And then people's like, well, who's all in the room? This and that, this and that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, now you have people questioning who should have been in the room and who shouldn't have been in the room. Mm-hmm. The next day, Monday, pastor then meets with Ricketts and now Ricketts releases an apology. He released an apology. It's on the news that, that Sunday night. Apologize for what he said. Now, my thing is that if you said you guys, why would you be apologizing for saying you guys? Mm-hmm. I say you guys all the time. You guys, let's go eat. You guys, I'm tired. You guys, you know, like, why would I apologize? And so that Monday it comes out that the pat or maybe that Monday or Tuesday, may have been the Monday or may have been Tuesday, either one. It was this week. The pastor met with Ricketts and I'm like, really? You met with Ricketts and then he, he issues apology to him. But my thing is that governor Ricketts owes everyone in that room an apology, not just the pastor who went viral for, for calling right. you out what you said. And right. so then someone, go ahead. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but sometimes I don't think that Governor Ricketts is, I don't know, 
very genuine in his apology that he made, especially considering it was only to one person. And so it was like, he only made it because of pressure instead of because he actually acknowledges his bigoted behaviors. I don't think one person, this is my honest opinion, a man that spends over $200,000 on the death penalty of his own money, he has no heart because he is telling you like, I'm going to have, he had it reversed and then you turn around and you spend your own money to get, you know, you, you spent your own money. He, he doesn't he have it. He doesn't have a heart to me. I mean, here's the thing for, a, he spent his own money on the death penalty and then he spent our money. Yep. Giving the director of the prison system a raise at the beginning of the pandemic, when we all knew that this every municipality and the state, every state in the nation were about to go into some sort of recession, and we really are going to need all of our dollars for the actual people, he mm-hmm. gave the director of the prison system, Scott Frakes, a raise. And Scott was- Frakes has done nothing to ease prison overcrowding. And I think, this is my personal opinion, I think he gave Scott Frakes a raise for doing exactly what his job is, which is to help Ricketts build another prison so he can incarcerate more bodies yep. in the state. I think that's why he gave him a raise because that man's doing a hell of a job keeping people in prison and making them miserable. And I think that's what his job is. Keeping them in prison, um, changing just recently. I know when I worked for Senator Wayne, we had an incident where, um, where, um, Scott Frakes basically closed down, oh, excuse me, closed down the, um, the women's, um, the, I guess it was a work release in, in East Omaha. And so those people, the people that were there will be able to go to different schools um, because um, we will be able to go to Metro or they can do, um, go have a job and different things and they come back there. And some of the women were in school at Metro and, and people didn't know Metro is the only state is the only school in the state of Nebraska that has second chance Pell Grant. Normally when you're convicted of a felony, you cannot get the Pell Grant, but Metro Metro Community College has a program where you can get the second chance Pell through the federal government. And so he was all of a sudden, going, he was closing, they were closing that up and they were going to send the ladies to Lincoln. Well, it would set them all back. They wouldn't be able to go to school because they can't get Pell Grant. So, so- Walk me back. Hold on. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. This is a federal Pell Grant that every college could offer to people who have made bad choices but are trying to move their life in a new direction. There is federal money that we're all paying taxes into. And you're telling me community colleges around the state are choosing not to participate? Is that... So I don't I don't know how they apply to participate, but you can apply to participate in the second chance Pell Grant, Pell program. And oh, well, you better college. believe we're gonna yeah, put I'm gonna follow up pressure. after this call. Yeah, oh. I'm gonna be sending some uh, SEC yep. members of that governance board some letters after this call because I'm I find that shocking. This. But one of the ladies, oh, precious. Yes. Good. This is- so one of the ladies that was there wanted to when she was being was going to be moved she wanted to go to south um south this was it it was scc the one the community college in lincoln but she would the number one they didn't have her program but they didn't have the second chance pill so she she wouldn't be able to get financial aid you know from it because she has a felony that pell mm-hmm. grant doesn't have to be the pell grant doesn't have to be paid back when you have a pell grant so to have that second chance pill and then i was told by one of the people that 
Metro Community College was the only one. I said, well, can everybody else get it? And she said, yeah, if they if they um, apply for it, they can get it through the federal government and offer that. So for people who are just now waking up to systems of oppression, which actually I kind of find hard to believe that anyone is just now waking up to it. But according to my Facebook wall, all kinds of people are just now waking up to this. <laughs> right. Um, so this is what we mean. Like there is federal money for people with felons on their felonies on their record to get help, but we're not offering it across the state. That's systemic. There is every year the legislature talks about whether or not they should help people have food security if they have felony records. And every year they say, nah, and, and that's they sad. don't let people have housing. They don't let people have, there's all these things. So you come out with a felony and you're not allowed to get an education. You're not allowed to get any help with housing. You, and, and then the moment you make a mistake, they just throw you back in jail. It's like, that is a system. It's a, that's what it means by a system of oppression. How do you get out of that system? And they say, we want to break down these barriers and we want to be able to make, to rehabilitate you, to come back into your community but then they put all these barriers up that you can't even be successful. You know, yeah. that's the hard part. And that's the part yeah. that um, is sad that we live in a society where number one, like you say, you can't get food stamps. I mean, I remember when um, Senator Hunt introduced that bill to, to be able to um, give, um, to increase, I think it was, the, I think it was to give the felony felons food stamps or something. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, how do you expect them? Number one, you already you're you're already going to have to only be limited to the job, limited where you work at, because um, only so many so many companies hire felons. Then, most likely, if you're still on papers, you have to pay some type of court fees or probation fees. Um, then you are paying full rent because you can't get any type of housing, so you're paying market value rent because you can't get Section Eight or any type of assistance because you have this felony. It's like, why? What were you? You're setting them up to be able to say, you know what? Mm -hmm. I would be better off in jail rather than have to go through all of this, and that's sad. Yeah. But that, it, it, but again, these are the barriers that we are trying our best to break, and for some reason, they keep putting them up, and that's what's going to take. It's this governor. It's like, it's like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's terrible. I don't understand why we can't or why we don't as a country do a better job of supporting people who come out of jail. What's that quote? Like you're more than the worst thing you've ever done. Right. <laughs> and we could also on quit, top quit of that, we know that so many of these people, it's not fair, right? Like right. they might be innocent. There may have been circumstances that weren't taken into account because or, of racial discrimination and whatnot. And sometimes people get senses that are vastly different depending upon their socioeconomic yes. status and once you do your time you should be done yes once you do your time we shouldn't have a two-year waiting period for felons to no. be able to vote. um the sad part is the governor vetoed that senator wayne had that clear locked in all, yep. senators, all senators were in place his first i think that was his first his first year as, yeah, it was yeah. his first year. It was impressive. I couldn't believe he got it all the way to the governor's desk. He had all the votes. Yeah, he had enough votes. votes to override the no, governor's veto. He had on their vote. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, was amazing. Where I they was really go impressed. On the round. He got, no, he got it all the way through. He passed the bill. The legislature. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. But they could have overridden that veto. 
They could. They could have overridden the veto, but it went to the governor. No, precious. Governor said veto, and then he did what he always does. He goes to his paid-for senators because he bought a bunch of those senators because we need campaign finance reform. Again, it's a system. It's all connected. And he said, don't you dare override my veto. Oh. And they, I hate the governor. I hate well, they, they technically, They technically couldn't override it because he signed it on the, either the 59th day of session, yep. mm-hmm. which meant that they didn't have enough time to, to go back in a special session because you only had 60 yep. days in the session. It was, it was, it such was dirty so tricks. bad. So, mm. He's such an evil, evil, evil governor. Honey, you're, pre- you're preaching to the choir on this one. <laughs> when he sits in the room so and he evil. starts talking, I'll be like, like, I want to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I wish, we're our, I wish our listeners could see your face, Precious. <laughs> like, I, I'm from the Omaha Metro. I'm for, I grew up in Papillion. And I knew growing up, I heard, I constantly heard what a horrible person Senator Ernie Chambers was. I heard this my entire childhood growing up. And I guess I just assumed that was true because why else would literally everyone say that? Mm-hmm. Then I, um, when I started getting involved in politics and I started really paying attention to the legislature, I quickly found out he is the smartest person who has ever been elected to the Nebraska legislature. Here, here. It is just straight up racism that that is why I heard that my whole entire life. So that's not good. Uh, Funny melody. When they passed that, this is, this is how I look at it. Senator Chambers is an idol. He's an icon. Even though he sued God. (laughs) Even though what? He sued God. Oh, he won. (laughs) He won. But then he was chasing black tailed prairie dogs. uh, I still don't see one in North Omaha and the Cougars, you know, but he's done some good things. But what was really funny to me is that the fact that he term limited out. Remember, he passed the term limit law. Yeah, to get to, him out because him he out. is so popular. And then they named the judiciary hearing room after him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he comes back and wins four years mm-hmm. later. And now yep. he sits in the same room that's named after him. It's got to be a slap in the face to a lot of those senators. But it's got to be. That he comes back and sits in the room that's named after him, after y'all try to get him out of here. <laughs> I love it. He's I so brilliant. And I gotta say, him. like, I don't. So he's gonna be termed out again. Yes. When the legislature starts up June twentieth, that is yes. his last session. Yes. Um, unless he comes back in four years, he you, know, you he never know with him what he's gonna do. He is. I think he'll be in his nineties once that four years is over. So right. I don't think he's gonna come back he that's what he says that's what he says but let me tell you something that man is in good shape and the fact that he types everything he does not have he does not use a computer he doesn't have um email Uh -uh. it's so Mm -hmm. funny when people try to get a hold of him they're like we need to get a hold of him i'll be like well you better send a letter (laughs) a Mm -hmm. pigeon (laughs) that's the only way you're gonna get to the man because he doesn't have email and I enjoy, I used to really, I, used, I know Senator Wayne, and he'll, he's going to kill me when I say this, but I would enjoy Ernie Chambers' um, his memos. Like, I looked forward to getting the memos. Yes, yeah. we all do. To Senator Wayne's um, chair, because he would always put them out on the, on the floor, and I would go up and take Senator Wayne's off of his desk. <laughs> uh. So I could know what was going on first. 
So I enjoyed that. And then when whenever he spoke, I literally, I mean, because we all had our own TVs in the in our offices. Whenever he spoke, I promise you, like, he got all my attention. Like, I didn't Aww. care. About I want to hear Ernie. And then sometimes I say, you know what? I'm going up to the floor because I want to be up here when he says these things. <laughs> sometimes he would take things a little bit too far because it would make me feel uncomfortable. I'd be like, oh, did you just say that? Nothing changes if you're not uncomfortable. Thank right? you. The great Frank Lemire. Yep. Great Frank Lemire. So I promise you, after he said things, I literally, guys, I mean, when I first started working there, it was really hard for me to walk through the front door because number one, the first time I ever walked through the front door or maybe the within the second week, I had a red coat, which I know what the red coats are, right? At the legislation. So the red coats are kind of like the security, like they're like the Paula Materia, the Sergeant in Arms of mm-hmm. the, in there. And I had walked through and the one of the red coats literally put his arm up and stopped me. He's like, woo. And I kind of was like, oh, excuse me. He's like, you're not supposed to be in here. I'm like, excuse me? I work here. You know, and I showed him my badge. He goes, oh. And so they had not, re- I don't, I feel not a lot of black women work in the legislature. Senator Chambers staff never came upstairs. Cindy never came upstairs to, to the floor. Um, so I kind of took an offense. So I would, I stopped coming through the, through the front because then at the time when you would come through the lobbyists wouldn't even, they wouldn't move. You'd be like, excuse me, excuse me. And they wouldn't listen. And so you have all this white privilege in the middle of the of the Capitol Rotunda, because there's nobody that looks like me, and literally I have to say, move. You know, like, get mad, just move, get out of my way. And they would be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so after that, I stopped coming through the front door and I started coming through the back door because all in the back of the, the legislature, it was just um, a, share, um, a state patrol and a red coat. And I got to know those two. And they would see me come. I would always get the mail, and then I'll come through the back, and then go sit and see Senator Wayne. Um, but then after I got to know everybody, I was then I would sometimes go to the front door. But I really didn't like going through it, you know. And then, yeah. but then when Senator Chamber would get on air and read everybody they writes, oh, I would go out that front door. So I let them know, y'all just got y'all feelings hurt. We got towed today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know what you mean about those lobbyists. The last time I was at the legislature, I had my toddler with me. And I was just, I can't even remember why I was there. There was some kind of reason. Um, but I went and then I I just let my toddler run through the lobbyists. He was touching them. He was bumping into them. And you know what? It's his capital too. Mm-hmm. So I just let him run around. They and I don't think they liked it, and that kind of made it even better for me. So they had this seat. They were like, oh, this seat belongs to so-and-so. He's the longest-running lobbyist. I don't give a shit. If my feet hurt, I'm sitting there. <laughs> yes! This is. You better scoot over. Oh. Yes. Plus, why should precious. a lobbyist be, like, revered? Whatever. They should be, like, bottom of the barrel. They Those are. Beggars. God. Now, when they trying to buy you, when they be like, let's go to lunch, you be like, do I want to go to lunch with you? i never forget going to lunch with a bunch of lobbyists. And, um, Hi. what's his name? Um, um, what's the one I know? What's his? Tyson Larson. Oh, ooh, ew. Ew. Everybody knows. Ew. Now, this, now I'm gonna tell y'all a funny story about Tyson. So, this is gonna be this is what everybody i mean i just thought tyson was like 
to me, he just reminded me of like used car salesman, like literally, like used car <laughs> And so I never like, I just thought he was just so cocky and it would just make me mad. He reminded me of like when I was in high school of the Miller North boys or the Creighton Prep boys. Uh, like yeah. he reminded me of that. And I said, hate that man. So we go play the basketball game and here they come with their little slicked up hair with a little gel or whatever. Like, mm, yeah. So, um, they were like, "Oh, well, him and um, him and Moranti is gonna be at this lunch." And I'm like, "I really want this burger." <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta take one for the team. So we went to lunch. And I was like, "I'm sitting at a different table." Senator Wayne was like, "You can't just sit at a different table." I said, "Yes, the hell I can." I got away with this. So finally, I ended up coming to the table, mm. and Ison was sitting across from me. But then the funniest thing ever, one day I'm in North Omaha off of 45th and Maple by Girls Inn. Anybody who looks at it can know I'm in, I'm in the neighborhood, literally. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe eight o'clock in the morning. No session was in. And I see this man with these, these bright leggings on running and they have this, this military vest on. And I look and on the back it says Larson. I said, no. <laughs> Tyson Larson is running in the hood with some bright pink running things on. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to them. Was it him? Tell me it was him. It was him. (laughs) So this man represents this district, but he lives in the hood in North Omaha, running with tight pink leggings on. Was Was this when he was a senator? Yes. Okay. I want to give a little bit of context for people listening in the pod. Senator Mm. Ernie Chambers, the most brilliant legislator ever in the history of Nebraska legislature. In the history of the United States. (laughs) They wanted to see his plumbing records and questioned how often he flushed his toilet to prove he lived in his residence in the district. Meanwhile, Ty Larson is in hot pink running pants running through Omaha because that is where he actually lives, mm-hmm. which his district was rural Nebraska. And oh, also, yeah. Senator wow. Brewer. No, I get to uh, say it this yeah. time. Okay, it's good. Turducken home. Senator, <laughs> yes, April. Senator Brewer lives in a turducken home. Allegedly. His address he is lives a outside of Lincoln. shed. Mm-hmm. Yes, he and he claims murder. there is a log cabin inside his metal mm-hmm. shed, and that's mm-hmm. his house. Shed. He also metal he also shed. claims to represent the people, but we know it's just big oil. So let's move on. So Senator Brewer, I never forget this. I was in Texas, maybe what was I traveling for? I was traveling, maybe traveling for work for the Democratic Party. Yeah, I was going somewhere. And you're in Texas. I'm like, I'm in Texas, and so we're waiting for our um. We're waiting for our luggage, and here comes Senator Brewer, and he's on his way to Israel at this time. Um, he was going overseas and stuff, and so we had a really good conversation. Now, one thing about it, um, when I found out, this was so funny, when I found out that Senator Brewer was a Native American, I was like, oh, he's a person of color. It was like, no. He just says he's a Native American. Oh, no, precious. No, he's Native, guys. Precious. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know he was a Native American. He, and they said he grew up. It, uh, he was the champion. He worked with Patty Panzer Brooks and he got uh, alcohol and Frank white Lemire. clay. Yeah, oh, and, and Frank, Frank Lemire. And he got, and you know, he solved a big problem in white clay and moved that forward. I, uh, 
I think that if he wasn't bought by big oil in Texas, that we wouldn't have a lot of the problems with Senator Brewer that we have. Yeah, and that's what I thought. That's what I thought when I first met. I thought he was a dim because of all the work he was doing with you know with Frank. It's confusing. Very, and so and then when they said no, he's Native American. So this really you know with his this is his part of his community. Yeah, and like, he's a, and he's a veteran, and like yeah. I said, Senator Brewer, his traducan is a problem, and his voting record is very perplexing. Yeah, wasn't he like a general or something? Or I don't know that. I know he, 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 I mean, just all of it just really surprises me that he, he does know, some, he does some amazing advocacy for veterans, which mm-hmm. I think we need a little more of, but other than that, mostly his voting record. He's so. not an enemy of schools either. Yeah, no, no. He's a very, I said it's, it's perplexing yes. because it is, it's yeah. very confusing. And he's actually kind of nice when you talk to him, minus that I really yeah. don't believe he lives in his district. But it, well, it, that on the flip side, guns. I don't, well, okay, well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be on the train of, like, a brewer love fest. He's no, 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 no. And he wants he's, to dump guns in all he of our does. I, um, I You can't be having that. No. Nope. Yeah. He contains multitudes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Precious, when Senator Chambers terms out and we have the election in november do you have an opinion on who's gonna replace him well i can have an opinion because because i'm a part of the party i have to remain neutral but we oh is it two democrats on the ballot in december november i see terrell mckinney and fred conley are both running for that seat that seat had seven well seven dims in um it was like 10 people that ran for that seat Mm mm-hmm um, Who did Senator Ernie Chambers endorse? Can you tell us that? He endorsed Terrell McKinney. He did. Mm-hmm. He endorsed Terrell McKinney. Um, you know, Terrell's up and coming. You know, he's younger. He's in law school. Um, you know, fresh newcomer to, to you know, po- politics, you know, and that's when he, he kind of reminds you of a younger Ernie Chambers, honestly. Um, so, yeah, so we have to remain neutral in the party. Um, you know, it's hard sometimes because, you know, you have your friends and you be like, oh, my God. But, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, whoever takes that seat will do the right thing and continue the legacy and really bring some more economic development, especially to LD11, because LD11 um, borders with LD13 with Senator Wayne's district. So mm-hmm. normally we're, you know, LD13, whenever Senator Wayne is passing bills, it's normally impacting LD11 also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that can happen and then those two districts can work real close together and then make some real big changes because we do need some new things to happen in um, in North Omaha. Precious, I want to ask you, so there's all of this energy and the people in really at the front lines of this energy, they all appear to be between... I don't know, I'm going to say like 16 to 25. Mm-hmm. They're young. They're new. They're real pissed. Mm-hmm. And they're filled with righteous anger and it is propelling them forward. And they've already made some incredibly big changes. Like in just a week, they're allowed to shut down Dodge Street where last week they were brutalized by the police. Mm-hmm. So, so they're they're doing this work and they're showing up. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what would you say to those people what kind of advice, what kind of mentorship would you want to offer to them in the next, for the next month, for the next couple, for the next year? What, 
what would you say to all those folks? Well, number one, we remember when um, the um, the shooting in um, Florida. Oh, gosh, why well, Parkland? Parkland. At that moment, we knew that there was a mobilization happening with a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds. They were okay. mobilizing then. And if people weren't waking up, those babies can now vote. Mm-hmm. Those babies are now voters. And, yep. if, and, and I, when those babies were in elementary school, that's when Sandy Hook happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. So their yep. educational career was bookended yep. by school gun violence and nobody mm-hmm. did anything and still nobody's done anything. Right. You're exactly right. And these babies have Google. They're able to research everything that's happened. They're able to see every person who was voted against any type of bills. No one vote against anyone who's not supported gun violence. Um, you know, who who's, went against, like, for instance, when Alicia Shelton was running for the U.S. Senate, she said what motivated her to run for the U.S. Senate was after the um, Parkland shooting, there was a bill and they couldn't get it through. Yeah. Dog that died on a plane. And within two days, they had a, the bill passed called the Wolf Act, which will make letting you not let the airlines not put the dogs in certain carriers so they can die on a plane. And she said, if, if dogs are more important than kids, something's wrong with the people we have in office. Yep. And so right. what I would tell to the children, to the, I should say children, to the young adults right now is continue what they're doing. Because right now they're, they're listening. They, I should say they're listening. The people are listening, but the people are noticing changes about to come. They're a little yep. scared. Because these kids are really like serious. Like just the march we did today, and seeing them in the front, they were like ready. They were like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's young ones that I have mentored and who are now um, entering their sophomore years of college. I saw them all there today. I mean, they have a group chat. They'll be like, Miss Precious, what do we have going? I said, hey, tomorrow there's a listening forum with the Judiciary Committee. Can you be there at 9 a.m.? Yes, Miss Precious, we'll be there. You know, they're testifying. They're learning. These are things that we didn't have growing up telling us how do we go and testify in front of the legislature. We didn't mm-hmm. know to go testify, but for them to do that, it is really showing that they were listening and they're tired. And they, they've had four years of this president and they're like, okay, they started in their high school years with this president and now they're graduating from high school or maybe or during their high school and look what's happening. Oh yeah, they're, they're ready. They're ready. I would say... One thing, one issue that is interesting to young people that I think they could actually get done, and it is going to be at the municipal level, so at the city level, mm-hmm. they could get those cops out of their schools. I think that is something they could immediately do now. Senator Chambers, in 2019, he brought a bill to ban school resource officers yep. from for every school in the state. Nebraskans Against Gun Violence, which is the organization that I uh, co-founded and that I run, we were the only organization to stand with Senator Chambers and say, yeah, get the cops out of schools. And then one of our members, I testified on that. And then one of our members testified on that too, Donna Roller. And that conversation is very different now. I bet if that bill stood now, there would be a line out the door to get cops out of schools. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. 
get yep. them out of schools. There is no evidence that school resource officers provide any benefit. They either are neutral in metrics-based outcomes or they are actively causing harm. Yep. There's no evidence that they do things that you can measure that are good. Right. There's no evidence. I have dug it up, down, in every which way. Yeah. And we tried to stop it in Lincoln, and we couldn't do it. We tried and tried. We showed them all the evidence. They actually tied. did it. If teens did it. They tied. In Lincoln, what they did, they wanted after-school programming. Yep. And so they, they were like, there, the deal brokered was okay. If we if we let you have six more cops in our school, then you can then have the people who want cops will let us have after school programming. They tied armed cops to after school programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which working families need so that parents don't have to pay an exorbitant amounts for childcare after school. Yeah. And those are that's after school care at lower income schools in our city. It was totally. It was really interesting. A friend was saying the other day on Facebook, um, think about that. Those school resource officers that are supposed to make you feel all good about the community and things were out there in those protests, Mm -hmm. gassing, wearing riot gear and all this stuff. How does that even conflate with what they're supposed to do whenever school goes back? That's crazy. Man. Precious, what are you reading these days? Oh, so the most two recent books that I bought was um, No, You Shut Up by Simone Sanders. <gasps> That's on my list. I want to read that so bad. I got that one. And then the other one is um, by Bakari Sailors, who is um, a former um, legislator out of South Carolina. Now he's a CNN contributor and it's called My Vanishing, Ch- my Vanishing Country, um, his memoir. Um, I become to I became um, familiar with Bakari Sellers after we had the Charleston massacre shootings at the church. Um, he was at the time a former senator and he was very vocal, you know, he was a state a former state senator at the time. And he was very, very um, like one of the people they would talk to on CNN. And so I came really became intrigued and then he became a CNN contributor. So oh that sounds so good. Yeah. One thing that people would be interested to know and I think it was horrifying to me at the time, and I think it might even run deeper now, but the person who, first we have George Floyd who wrote a bad check and was murdered for it. We had a, a white supremacist, a Confederate in South Carolina who murdered an entire Bible study after he sat with them and prayed for an hour. Yep. When the police came and arrested him, they took him out to Burger King before they yep. took him to jail because he was hungry. Yep. Stephanie, we actually went past that church this summer when we were mm-hmm. in South Carolina for the, um, we did. For the, um, the thing. Yep. It, was right, right, it was right across the street from yep. the um, the venue where the debate, presidential debate was. And I didn't want to do a tour of the church. Everybody was like, oh, we're going to do a tour of the church. We walked nope. past the church and we saw the fountain and the memorial for, for the members. But I just could, I just, just, just couldn't imagine going mm-hmm. to that church and, because that was so, pu- pu- that was pure evil, pure mm-hmm. evil. Like, I went to Auschwitz um, in Poland, uh-huh. and it's uh, places like that. Uh, it was you could feel it. There mm-hmm. was a, 
you could feel it in the air. You could feel it under your feet. It just, it washes over you. It's, if you can't, it, that kind of space, like, I think it, it was something I was glad that I did and it it enforced some things that I needed to just see and feel and I'm glad I did it but I don't know that everyone could do that because it is it takes a lot of emotional energy to go to those kind of spaces it's, it's like even when I go to the um to the National um, African American Mu Museum in um, DC. I've been to that museum about four or five times. Mm -hmm. I always go because I feel like every time I go, it, when I'm in DC, it, it refreshes me and, and I might miss something I didn't see the last time. Mm -hmm. But I always get emotional when I walk up the stairs. When we, we walk up, it's a path you go up and it takes you from different centuries. And the last one you go up is when you go into the Obama era. And on there, they do the um, the national um, anthem, Negro anthem. And I always see, stop and sing that. And I get so emotional because I don't think people will ever understand it because it's right there. You have it engraved in the wall, but then you look right to your left and there's the picture of Obama's inauguration of the Washington Mall filled with all these all the people. It's on the, it's a, a full wall. They made this wall, all of that. And you see that and you see how far we've come back. We've gone backwards with this current administration. And it really hurts. It really hurts. But that place always, you know, whenever I'm there, I think it's more because of what's going on. But you can feel it. You can feel it. Like, mm -hmm. you can, ugh. It's a lot. Yeah, I just saw that museum for the first time in December. I was there for a gun control conference, and it was, it was intense. Yeah. It, and it was beautiful. Yeah, but I normally get up at 6.50. I always get up because you, I don't ever get tickets in advance. So you have to be up by 6.30 in the morning to reserve tickets. I normally get up at 6.25 because at 6.28, they always go on. Um, oh, they open up the tickets for for, for the walk-up service. So, 6.28. Yep, I get my sister laughs because she's like, you always get the tickets. I'm like, oh, I'm up at this time. <laughs> like, Pro tip. DC pro tip. Good to know. Yeah. I still haven't been able to so, get in. So, oh, yeah, so, let's yeah, do a South Carolina yes. pro tip real quick, Precious. When oh. Precious and I were in South Carolina, not once, but twice, we had this karaoke Uber van. Same guy both times, you guys, and it was life-changing. He had disco balls and microphones, and uh, singing with <laughs> Precious is one of the highlights of 2020. Because, well, it's 2020, but... Um, that was fantastic. But it was, but what was funny though, Steph, we, we got into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, um, we were in. The and Scott's <laughs> like, what are all these wires for? <laughs> and all of a sudden he clicks on and all these LED lights start going yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is kind of like cash cab. Yeah. Like, and, then he goes, <laughs> and then he hits us with his microphone. He's like, no, it's karaoke lift. I was like, oh. <laughs> he hits me a mic and I'm like. <laughs> Oh, it was really yeah. fun. It was really. And fun. then after Jane's Jane's book signing, we had a cab pick us up, and it was the same guy, you guys, that took us to the debates. It was fantastic. Oh. Singing with Precious is amazing, uh, amazing. She's fantastic singer. Oh, yeah, was, we had a good time. We had a good time. That was really fun. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm having a good time, Precious. It's been so wonderful to have you on. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking, like, am I ever going to ever get a? Um, my sister went to South Carolina recently. And I was like, oh, you need to get a lift and, and ask for a bigger vehicle. Maybe you'll get him. She was like, I'm not doing that. In, in, in Charleston, in Charleston, South Carolina, if you go, request a minivan and maybe you'll get the yeah. karaoke man. 
It's amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I want to go to Charleston just so I can get a minivan every day and so I can get it. It seriously. I mean, and he was hilarious. I mean, he and he was so fun. And then we said complimenting our singing. Yeah. Like, well, did you have um it was some song we had we got Cardi B? He was like, Do I have Cardi B? Yeah. And I mean, it was like he enjoyed every moment with us. He yep. did that part and he started singing. I was like, okay. Yep. He was singing and dancing uh, to Adele and to yes. Taylor Swift. You guys, it was, was life-changing. Did you Precious, give him a good what tip? is your karaoke song? <laughs> um. Well, at that point, I, I love Whitney Houston Want to Dance with Somebody because I just think Ooh, that's a good song. one. Um, but then I love, um, I'm trying to think, we did um, Lizzo. That's who it was. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. amazing because you can just be with Lizzo you can just be anybody you don't have to be like in care you can just just you can be jumping off the wall singing Lizzo and everybody would love it because it's just Lizzo so yeah Lizzo's amazing I love when she went to the award show with her itty bitty purse it was purse. like what two inches wide yeah. and it was for all her fucks and it was yeah. this tiny little like <laughs> dollhouse size purse it was so awesome I had yeah. a chance Steph, you was there this summer. We had a chance of seeing Lizzo this past summer together. Yeah, we did. We saw her at Omaha. Yeah. yeah, we saw her in Omaha. So, yeah. yeah. So we had some moments together, Steph. Also life-changing. Just going to yeah. put it out there. Stephanie, what's your karaoke song? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, actually, whenever I think of karaoke, I worked at this karaoke bar when I was pregnant with my 19-year-old, and it was sometimes not always the best job. Um but uh, this guy used to always get really, really intoxicated and sing 16 tons and a what do you get? I think it's, you know what I'm songing? Like, it's like a really old song. Anyway, so whenever anybody says karaoke, that's the first thing I think of every single time. So anyway. April, I don't have what is one. your karaoke song? I am not like a karaoke person. Oh, we're going to karaoke. I know, but I guess if I'm at home, um, <laughs> I will blare out the, um, the Greatest Showman soundtrack. I yep. love all of it. All of it. Yep. <laughs> so, that's nice. Hamilton at my house. My kid knows all the words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hamilton's so good. Melody and yours? I usually go with Janis Joplin, me and Bobby McGee. Oh, and my two backup songs are When I'm 64 by The Beatles or uh-huh. Oh So Quiet by Bjork. Those oh, are my that's three. That's a great song. I can, yeah, I three can karaoke that one. songs. I can blast that. It's great. Okay, Precious, any uh, big plans for 2020? Uh, well, um, we have the National Convention coming up. You know, as you mm-hmm. know, I'm a Democratic Party, so we have the National Convention coming up. I'm excited about that. Um, we will know in a couple of weeks who I'll be working with, who will be elected to um, be delegates. So the fun starts then with booking hotels. A week and from hotels. today. Yeah, a week from today we'll know. Yeah, and then who, who's going, you know, so I'll be able to know, are we going to a convention? Are we going to have a virtual one? Um, and then, you know, just being, you know, just once this COVID is over, just really kind of getting back to some normalcy. I never thought I would miss going to work and being around people, um, but I do. Um, and mm-hmm. I can honestly say that, I have a dislike for Zoom all of a sudden. Oh, yes. I hope uh, Zoom, I'm going to cancel. As soon as we go back to work, I'm canceling my Zoom membership. <laughs> We're all done with that. I'm Can done we do with that? Um, and then, you know, um, just just like I said, just having some normalcy, you know, and just being able to to get back to that. But 
and then and really be oh. successful with this. And we have this November our November third election, and so just really, like, really making some changes, making some serious changes in electing mm-hmm. people that need to be in office, and then recruiting people for twenty twenty one. That's one yep. thing. Even though I'm not the constituency director now, I'm in finance. I still feel like I have a um, a duty to still be able a duty to still recruit people. And to bring good people into being elected to office, no matter where they're at, because number one, we need to really um, we need some stronger bills and some really good bills in the in the legislature to really mm-hmm. um, that impacts us. You know, you know, we we fight with them and we, every time they try to sneak something in. And my thing is, we need to educate more people on, on the process so they can get down there and testify and know what how it works. Um, and just just really just trying to get more people civically engaged. And, you know, in 2021, there will be city elections in Omaha and Lincoln. So let's yep. say you don't think, you don't think Jean's doing a good job in Omaha. Let's just say. She's I'm not. Like, She's not. So this is my get thing. Out. Jean, I don't know. I, yeah, it's time to get her out. But I'm, I, but I'm still thinking, is Jean going to run? Because then because well, then the next year, the governor comes open. And I know she and I would think they would groom her to be the governor. Hmm. I can see that. I can see that. That's a good guess. (laughs) Gross. So, and then there's city council races in Omaha and Lincoln, right? Yep. Yep. What else is going on? Airport authority? Mm, All the down ballot stuff, but, you know, for all those organizers, I would say you have to do that cultural work because elected, getting the right people elected doesn't get you far enough. Yep. You have to do that cultural work, and that's what we're seeing in the streets right now across the country, across Nebraska. Yep. Um, Omaha is punching above their weight, as always. They're doing, I mean, all of the footage coming out of Omaha, noise, I'm just, like, glued to that on Facebook. I'm watching everything they put out. That's what it takes to move these elected officials. Uh, but also, you need movable elected officials if they're mm-hmm. all... If they're all beholden to the governor, you're not going to get very far, no matter what kind of social work you're doing. So you need both. It all happens. You need you need all the types of work. Can I put a little research plug? If anybody listening wants to know if their elected officials have, particularly state legislature, has been um, bought by Ricketts, you can go to Data Omaha um, website and you can look at who donated to your state senator. That has everybody everybody in a state office on down. The only people it's missing are federal office holders. So Don Bacon, Jeff Fortenberry, Adrian Smith. But on the federal level, you can go to, you can look those up, they're out there. Another Mm -hmm. one is called Open Secrets. I don't know if that's what you just said. Open Secrets is out there. That's a good federal database, yeah. Federal database. Um, You know, I live on the, the, the accountability and disclosure website. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I live on that. That's how I was able to find out when Homeboy with the Nebraska Crossing was donating to the Ricketts in the Donald Trump. Yep. Like, oh, you want to open up? Let me tell you who you giving money to, buddy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, I yep. tell anybody, don't don't come for me because I'm gonna come right where you giving your money. I'm gonna call you out. So, yeah. Well, and, and Data you- Omaha uses that same information from the accountability, but it's a little easier to navigate. Yes. Yes. Definitely, because you have to go through each column. Yep. No, and then the other thing is, is that if you or someone you know might want to run for office in any of these 2021 elections, you can 
um, reach out to info at nebraskademocrats.org. Or you could reach out to Seeing Red and we will help point you in the right direction. Definitely. Run for it. And I know, I know we have a party staffer here, but I still have to say it. You don't have to go through a political party to run for office. Anybody can run. You just have to want to. And you just have to be able to to like want to work your ass off. And and get the information to make it happen. You know, only thing is is the party can help you. There's help there, but you don't have to use go through the party. You don't have to do it that way. Uh, but it does give you some organizational tools you wouldn't have it otherwise. You, uh, and, again, and it gives you vote builder access because everybody doesn't get access to the right. vote builder to get those access to those because that is something that the state party is done by the, well, gets from the the, the, the the national party, gives it to the state party, the state party controls it. So that's kind of the hard thing. But again, you don't have to go through the state party, but if you want those extra resources so that you're able to get those voted, mm-hmm. get that information, it's good to do. But I mean, it always explore your options. I tell anybody, explore, find out what you want to do. If that's something that you want to go into, but like you said, Melody, you got to be ready to do the work. No matter if you're with the party or without the party, it's hard to be ready to do the work. Because it's going to be work because you have to convince people that you're the right person to be elected in to serve for them. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't win going in and your job is to build up a coalition and build a movement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. you run because that's your job. And sometimes you run because actually you did the research and that you you have a path to winning. Mm-hmm. Or you're pushing an important issue that needs a platform. Right. Right. Absolutely. Or you're supporting other candidates down ballot so that they can be more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Precious, I am so glad. I'm so happy that you came on the pod today. You're Thank I did you. not know you were funny. I knew you were amazing. <laughs> I see you all over the place. You're in every, anytime something cool is happening, your picture's on it. So (laughs) I knew that about you, but I didn't know you were funny. And that is just a really delightful surprise. So I'm so glad about that. I have have a very good sense of humor. I tell people all the time, if you don't laugh and if you don't joke about things, then something's wrong. I mean, and I joke about a lot of things. Like, you know, everybody's been seeing my post lately and I'm like, hey, you guys, hey, you people. Like every time I get a chance, I say it just to take a jab at the governor. I'm mm-hmm. like, <laughs> somebody's like, I think you're being insensitive. I said, oh, you were in the room, so shut up. I'm not talking yeah. about you. <laughs> Other thing, Precious is so cool that my seven-year-old would prefer to live with her. So that's just like, <laughs> and Ooh. Precious, and she even like painted her hedgehog, so. Yep, she paid me. And it's we forgot to. Yep, I, thought, I thought it was for me, but nope, it was for Precious. <laughs> we forgot to tell you that Stephanie's seven-year-old also thinks that I'm Melody. Yes, yes. She every day she's like, "Am I going to Melody's house?" <laughs> oh, she should come to my house. Anyway, yeah, she's like, "I just love it at Melody's house." Between Shelby and Maya, I tell Taylor all the time, I said, they think I'm real cool. And Taylor was like, um, I'm 16 and they're kids. I try to be cool with them, but it's not working. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yep. Precious, thank you for coming on. Thank, thank you. you. It was great to meet you. You too. You too. Y'all have a good night. You too. All right. You too. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. 
Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.